Hi there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman. It's time for another voyage into the world of aquariums from our hopefully unique perspective. Before we start today's blog, I just wanted to once again thank everybody for the amazing support that we've received so far. It's been a little over a month or about a month and a half now and some 60 podcasts in. Um, hopefully starting to get a little bit better at this thing, but you guys have been fantastic and the support we've received and the um, you know requests for different topics and so forth has been really great. And I keep those suggestions coming. We really appreciate them. Also appreciate the nice reviews that uh, people take the time to uh, to write. So thank you so much. It means a lot to us. Um, today's topic is something that it's sort of a, one of those underlying philosophies I've had on uh, botanical style tanks that I haven't really talked about a lot. And um, I'm not sure why. But, you know, I was staring at some pictures of some old aquariums, or not old, but some aquariums that I've executed over the last few years in the botanical style. And they seem to have some commonalities of sorts. Most of them all had... You know, for example, wood as an integral part of the scape. Most of them, not all. I mean, I had some notable exceptions, of course. Um, but it seems like every freshwater aquarium utilizes some form of wood or rock as part of the aquascaping composition, right? And I keep wondering, would it be possible to do an interesting aquascape completely devoid of, say, driftwood or rocks or even plants? Um, you know, it's always intriguing when we talk about botanicals. And I've obviously done some of these executions, and it's they're different different looks. Now, when we assemble our aquascapes, there's always a sort of a supporting cast of materials like the seed pods, the, the wood, the rocks, etc. They can make a difference between a subtle, relaxed look and a busy, perhaps even chaotic one. It's really easy to get carried away and add too much stuff, right? I mean, we have so many amazing materials to choose from nowadays that it's possible to literally have dozens of different, you know, botanical materials in a single aquarium. However, if the idea is to make the so-called supporting cast the stars of the whole show, does this change the way we look at things? Perhaps, right? Yeah, I think there's more power if we limit the number of materials in our botanical style displays to just a few at a time. I know that seems a bit odd coming from a guy who owns a company that sells all this stuff, right? Hear me out for a second. When we look to nature for our cues, which we should, of course... We often see a surprisingly homogenous mix of materials in a water courses. You don't often see 50 different types of materials accumulated on the bottom in a given area. It's more like a dozen or less in various states of decomposition, I might add. And this sort of makes me think, I mean, it makes sense, right? Especially when we take into account the fact that what you'll typically find in a leaf litter bed in a tropical stream, for example, is limited to the materials that come from the trees and plants that are adjacent to the water line. It's logical. So I've always been sort of a big fan of creating interesting botanical components with a few, maybe, you know, four, five, six at the most different materials uh, to avoid this overly jumbled look that I just think isn't that realistic. What's really interesting about leaves, though, um, is that even in the context of a single variety like Catapa, for example, you see a tremendous variation in color and texture. The natural imperfection of leaves is what makes them so perfect. And of course, as leaves break down, you're also getting a different look out of them in addition to changing benefits, i.e., you know, a visual tint, um, an aesthetic change as they break up, more microorganism growth, etc., etc. And if you're on top of things, topping off your leaf litter as it breaks down and decomposes, you know, also continuously sort of refreshes the scape, doesn't it? Um, yet the underlying theme 
sort of remains the same, just like in nature, actually, where new materials are constantly falling from the trees and being swept into the waterways by wind or other natural actions. And of course, leaves are the most ephemeral material that we use. They break down fairly rapidly in the underwater environment. That's why I recommend mixing some more permanent elements, such as the more durable botanical materials, into your leaf litter zone. Use of materials of intermediate you know, durability provides that underlying consistency in the aquascape as the leaves slowly break down. By providing what I like to call selective aesthetic diversity, meaning restraining yourself from adding tons and tons of things, you can create sort of a backbone of a more or less permanent scape comprised largely of transient materials because you're not constantly replacing dozens of different things. I admit probably the most compelling aquarium concept that I've executed recently was done by creating an aquarium where the leaf litter from the entire scape. I think it was not only unique looking, but one of the best functioning botanical style aquariums I've you know, worked with in recent years. And I think I learned a lot from that tank. Not only did I learn the function, but I also learned that, hey, this kind of looks cool and it's interesting and, and it could last for a long period of time. A scaled up version of that tank is definitely one of my next projects for sure. I don't think it'll necessarily be lacking anything either, like substantial vertical elements or something very compelling about the leaves, because I think by throwing in just a few durable materials, maybe some some twigs, branches, whatever, and maybe a small piece of driftwood or bark or whatever, it will create enough variation to keep it really interesting for even the most jaded observers. On the other hand, when I look back at the tank as it was, there was like no lack of interest, even with the completely unorthodox aesthetics that it had. The fishes positively glowed in the tank, and it just looked right. It was, if nothing else, a great proof of concept of the power of selective aesthetics. Yeah, I like to think that by limiting the number of elements in our botanical-style tanks, not only do we create a more realistic interpretation of the natural habitats that we admire so much, we create a more sustainable scape. What do I mean by sustainable? Well, if you have that perfect balance, aesthetically or otherwise, using, say, two or three different botanical materials, it's a lot easier to maintain that than in a system with, you know, 14 of them, right? Maybe? Yeah, I think so. And quite frankly, nature does this so effortlessly, so I think there's a lesson for us out there. Restraint is never a bad thing. And there's another thing that we touch on all the time here. Nature is anything but spotless, symmetrical, and perfectly organized. It's the very forces which drive the formation of these underwater landscapes in the wild. Wind, rain, sedimentation, falling trees, materials from the surrounding terrestrial environment, etc. Virtually assure that what nature does with, you know, rocks, wood, botanical materials is different than what most of us hobbyists do in our tanks. There's so much to take away from observing nature in its unfiltered state. It exists. It looks as it does for a reason. It's not only part of the natural aesthetic of the habitat, it's, more importantly, part of its functional composition, too, supporting on some level a little food web that supports the other life forms in the aquarium. Natural, not sterile, not dirty, either. Just different than the aquarium aesthetic interpretation that we've been indoctrinated to follow, you know, pretty much since our earliest days in the hobby. It's still clean. Sure, there's some keys to maintaining an aquarium filled with materials like decomposing leaves and botanicals. You definitely need to do regular maintenance. You don't want to overstock. I mean, this is common sense stuff, Aquarium 101. However, in a tank filled with considerable organic material, slight overstocking and poor general husbandry can be problematic. There could be algae, there could be nitrate, nitrite, even, even you know, potential ammonia spikes if you're really not well, well versed at managing the tank. You have to think, you have to be 
a good proactive hobbyist. That being said, in almost about 22 years now of playing with these blackwater botanical filled systems, uh, you know, and these other types of natural style aquariums we talk about here all the time, I don't think I have ever had any issues. No crashes, no pH dropouts, no tanks turning into mucky messes. I mean, mucky messes are, you know, part of the game and that's a lot of people look at our beautiful new aquascapes and say, what a mucky mess. So that's purely open to interpretation, isn't it? But it's not difficult to maintain a botanical style aquarium over the long term. I'm talking years. I've done it many times. An aquarium can still be clean in terms of its environmental parameters. You have a look which supports the appearance of natural materials on the substrate in a less than orderly manner. Um, I point to you, we did just did a, Johnny Ciari, our creative director, and I just did a photo shoot the other day with some of the aquariums in the office, and we did uh, a really nice, we shot some really nice video and a really nice little photo shoot on the newly set up, what I call the late season Agapo tank, where I literally have just some neon tetras in this tank that has a, a very decomposed, very um, biofilm encrusted bottom and it looked stunning. I mean, these photos, you could not tell them apart from nature and some of the, the, the close-up shots. So you'll be the judge when you see it, and it'll be exciting to, uh, to, to get out to you. But it's about husbandry and perspective when you're maintaining these aquariums. And I think it's also about accepting the fact that leaves and other natural materials are part of the ecology of the tank, and that they'll behave as terrestrial materials do when they're submerged. They'll break down and they'll decompose. They'll form the basis of a surprisingly you know, complex food chain, which includes bacterial biofilms, fungi, and minute crustaceans, all sorts of organisms. And each one of these life forms supporting to some extent those above, including our fishes. And when you think about all the, you know, the botanical materials, not so much as hardscape props, but as dynamic biological components of a closed microcosm, it all makes a bit more sense. And when you exercise a little bit of restraint in your scaping with botanicals, it could be remarkable how beautiful the aquarium can be. The idea of selective aesthetic diversity has more to it than just the aesthetic part. Think about that for a bit. And always stay creative, stay adventurous, stay bold, stay fascinated, stay disciplined, and always, always, always stay wet. Till next time, I hope you enjoyed this simple thought and get something out of it. Look forward to seeing your work, and I look forward to seeing you the next time on the next installment of The Tim.